we also have Jaime. We also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in San. No, no, we don't. We also have Jaime. <laughs> we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. There, I got a note. So, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 203 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined, as usual, by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. We also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. There, I got it out. How's it going? Great. All right. So, uh, let's start off the show with a little bit of fact check from last week at 30 minutes into the show. Um, My fact check is on what I was talking about. Seeing something, a tip that I saw inside of a video last year. This year, was the video was what Jeff Square was talking about, um, that he saw the Xcode guy. Um, talk in passing. So what caught my eye last year was there was a, I think it was a lightning talk or not lightning talk. They call them design talks. What do they call them at, at WWDC? You guys remember? Design shorts or something like that? Yeah. And one of them, and what they do is they, they break those down. And this is also answering Greg's question from a couple of weeks ago that uh, they break them down into shorter videos. And so they're like 10 minute long ones instead of like packing them in as three as they would have been presented live three or four. Uh, anyway, so there was one on a podcasting last year and, and just in passing the guy said, and if anybody's out there doing podcasting, you're looking for a tip. Um, in Apple tools like GarageBand and uh, also works in Logic Pro, and I use this a lot to fix up our audio, there's a legacy, um, I don't know what you call it, codec or plugin or whatever that that uh, helps clean up your voice. And what it is, it's a legacy GarageBand, um, and the, the path to it is you go to the legacy tool, you go to the GarageBand, look for podcasting, and then look for iChat voice. Because you remember when iChat first came in, everybody's amazed at how well it's kind of clean, cleaned up people's voices within reason, right? Um, so this plugin is still available inside of GarageBand and also inside Logic Pro. And any, any Apple um, audio tool would have this available. And that fixes up a lot of bad things in recording. So if we have a bad mic or, or lots of ambient noise, it it's kind of levels it out. And it's a super handy little tip thing. And I just saw it like a splashed on the screen for a split second. So when I went back to the video, I paused it and then I went and looked it up and, and uh, it's a handy tip. Anyway, that was, that was my fact check from three, uh, 30 minutes into the show. At 52 minutes into the show, we were talking about um, Canada's largest province, and I had said it was Ontario. It might be by population, but Greg corrected me and said it was by by area. It's not. It should be Quebec. But by land area, it's actually the territory of Nunavut, which is um, broke was broken down from the Northwest Territories, as I said before. There's two um, Inuit uh, societies up there, and uh, they form together to make in, in, in Nunavut is one of our territories, but our actual provinces by area in terms of size is Quebec, Ontario, British Columbia, and Alberta. And that's the fact check. So territories mm-hmm. are not provinces? Yeah, I mean, uh, so, yeah, historically we've had 10 provinces, and yes, 10, yeah, 10 provinces, and then and then the two, what we used to call the territories, and they were there was like a big chunk called the Northwest Territories, which I think butts right up against Alaska, and then uh, a smaller one called the Yukon Territories. And so the Yukon is still there, but they took Nunavut, or they took Northwest Territories, and they rebranded it or renamed it or, or basically uh, honored the people up there by calling it Nunavut, So, hmm. um, which is what they called it, I think, or something related to their languages, right? So, yeah, so it's not technically a province. So, I, you know, I don't know if it probably has, I don't know if it like has a capital or, yeah. okay, stop screaming at your phone, people. But <laughs> Yeah, we've got a few of those actually in the U.S. too, but they're not they're not as big as that. It's We've got like Guam. And oh, yeah, 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 and Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico and, right, yeah. and the Virgin Islands, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Part of US, it's yeah. also a little different because we're not like land mass physically connected right. to them. But isn't isn't Puerto Rico considered a state? No, or it's it, not. It's eh? just, it's no, that's like a big right deal. Uh, oh, sorry. It, it, is not, it is not a state. Uh, it could it could very well be a state, but it is not at the moment. But as you said, it's not connected to the main continental U.S. So where where actually is it? Is it an island or something? Or it's an island in the Caribbean. Oh, okay, okay, right. It's kind of close to sort of close to Jamaica and a little bit oh, southeast see, okay. of Cuba. Right, right. Cool. Yeah. All right, so we have some follow-up items here. We've got one. I may have a follow-up item for us. Yeah, we had mentioned this this tweet 
by somebody, probably a Steve Stroud and Smith or something, uh, related to live listen and how that could be used with the AirPods to be um, uh, not a one-for-one replacement for hearing aids, but certainly something you could use um, in many ways, uh, particularly if you if you can't afford you know actual legitimate uh, medical device quality hearing aids. Mm. And this is a nice article from the people at Quartz, uh, making that a little bit more official than just like a random tweet. So that was pretty nice to get people talking about that. And can't remember if it was covered in this article, but um, I think it will be great if more people can use this because uh, when we talked about the Apple Watch and how it could be used for uh, you know medical purposes, you know like a like a medic ID uh, alert bracelet, or you know we talked about it being used for uh, health monitoring, that sort of thing for uh, the elderly. And I think this is in that same vein of you know people don't like using the existing technology because it either kind of sucks or it it has this stigma to it, right? You've got like the life alert thing over your neck and it feels demeaning. Whereas like AirPods, everybody has those and you've got a sense of fashion about you if you've got those, right? So um, I think this is really cool. So kudos to Apple for making that available. And they've got uh, a few different uh, mini stories or moments here that people are talking about how they're using the, the iPhone's microphone that connects to the AirPod and the person who is hard of hearing can now hear things just like everybody else can. In the oh, so, so this live, this beta software called Live Listen. So people put, put the phone in the middle of the room or something like that and then they use the airpods to as the hearing aid is that what you're saying yeah that's my that's my understanding i, I really wish somebody had a real crisp video like they show like one of the tweets here like what is it nick dawson yeah looks like it um yeah if you look at nick dawson's uh, like third one that has the pic.twitter.com and it shows you this series of tweets where they're watching the world cup i'm sorry not world cup baseball and the uh, they velcroed the microphone part over to the tv so it would capture it and you can see his uh, his mom wearing one of the uh, airpods interesting hmm, cool yeah so is it the so the airpods are are separated or i'm a little lost here Look. yeah i'm a little unclear and specifically how you set it up i i don't know if you can use both airpods at once right, while you're right. doing this or if you actually do have to go into like single well, you have airpods right pod mode no, we do not. Do you have them work? Nope. Because I, as I understand, like one of the guys at work uses them all the time. And it, if he takes his AirPod out of his ear, it stops the music or pauses the music, right? So somehow it it knows when, it, like the watch knows when it's on your wrist. The AirPod knows when it's in your ear. Um, so I kind of wonder how that would work. But I guess live, live listen is sort of a, a, another software configuration for, for these devices. But Yeah, I, I think what you're talking about there is intended to be, I don't know, uh, you're on the bus yeah. and somebody's trying to tell you yeah. some things. You take it out and it pauses, you know, your your music or something. Right, right. And, um, I know people can use them in uh, non-paired mode. You know, like they'll, they'll, for whatever reason, decide they really have to have more battery times. They'll have one, you know, like the left one on. When it runs out, they put it back in the charger, they pull the other one out, and they use it. So I'm assuming it's either a configuration setting or you can probably just tap to resume or something for the audio. Right, I'm reading here real quick. It says that um, this live listen uh, allows people to use the iPhone microphone and connects to Apple certified hearing aids to amplify hearing. Um, and it's going to be part of iOS 12, but it's been around since 2014, apparently, according to this quick little short article. All right, we'll have to do some some follow-up, I guess, on that one. We'll follow up on our follow-up, right? All right, so uh, I posted something out here earlier today that uh, The Verge has posted saying that Apple is going to do a refresh of their hardware, most of the Mac lineup, including the Mac Mini, which we've talked about being a sore spot. I think it's like 1,300 days or something like that since it's been updated. So on this list here, of course, we've got the three-phone rumor, uh, which is pretty much the same as we thought before, some sort of iPhone 10 size device and a, a plus size, perhaps with an OLED model, and, and then a regular 6.1 inch size for the uh, mid-range folks um, with both with Face ID as well. Oh, that should be interesting. Still no uh, Mac Pro, though. Uh, no, they talk about the MacBook, MacBook Pro, iMac, and, and Mac Mini Yeah, yeah. Uh, as part of their eighth, uh, Intel's 8th generation core processor. Yeah. By the way, I don't know, just on a side note, did you guys, not, did you guys hear that Intel Apple's decided not to go with Intel in a couple of years. I think we talked about that as well, right? Oh, I did hear that they had made a final decision. Where where'd that come yeah, out? Yeah, they, they were debating that, right? Mm-hmm. Whether they would use their own chips. Um, or, or maybe it's just Intel. They're, they're not using Intel in the phones, right? It's all uh, ARM chips? Well, they've yeah, they've never used Intel in the phone. Right, right. Okay. It's always, yeah, to, it's always the, 
ARM core developed by their in-house team for the phone right, and the right. iPad. So the Intel ch- chips are too big and power hot consumption. And, yeah. Consumptive and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the rumor was that they were right. going to start using the same type of ARM chips, uh, although presumably a more hefty one for sure. for the Mac. So back to our updates. So MacBook Air is going to get um, updated as well. Um, I think, which I'm a little surprised that, that they would have both the MacBook Air and the MacBook. Really? I would. I would have assumed that the MacBook would get uh, not the Pro, not the MacBook Pro. But I assume that the MacBook would get smaller and thinner and just kind of absorb the the purpose of the MacBook Air. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the MacBook is. Um I thought the MacBook was weaker, in a sense, than the MacBook Air, right? Mm, that's a good question, because I don't think they've updated the Airs for no, a while. No, 2013, so I, I have the last one here on my desk. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't I don't recall. I know people did benchmarks to compare, but I'd assume they were roughly comparable. Um, yeah, we used to know a guy who had one, and, and he didn't like the way Xcode would compile on it. Yeah, it's sort of like, I don't know, slight segue, and then we'll come back in 10 seconds. Microsoft came out with its Surface Go, oh, a $400 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. base model. It's like a 10-inch Surface Surface device, similar to Surface Pro, but not quite as beefy. And people are talking about the fact that it's it's not going to be for hardcore development, or, or probably not really for development, unless you're very pain, you know painfully patient. Um, it's really more of a on-the-go email and watching Netflix and, and other sorts of things that we would have used uh, netbooks or Chromebooks for in the past. Right. So I, I assume the MacBook probably fits better in there. Right. It's 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 good for uh, the college student who you know, isn't trying to do you know, 3D rendering or uh, coming up with data structures and algorithms for class, that sort of thing. Yeah, so apparently you're getting new iPads, or, well, we kind of knew we were getting new iPads in the fall, right? Um, new Pro models, so that they'd be in the works with Face ID, which we had guessed already. Bezel-less design oh. with no home button. Looking forward to that. Yeah, um, so two sizes, uh, 12 and 11. 11 is actually the, oh, it's going to replace the 10.5. Well, that's really going to upset the K market and people who have bought cases well it d- depends if it's physically bigger right because you you could keep the same form factor oh, size right. yeah, but yeah, if yeah. you've carved away bezel it might be like i've never actually measured my uh, ipad pro to see yeah interesting but yeah the apple's not afraid to be like oh it sucks to be you here here's this new yeah this slightly new case thinner, you need to buy slightly narrower it's 99.99 yeah. yeah so i have i have a box of you know brand new cases or covers and smart covers and stuff behind me which are useless for the, I- the ipad 3 or what was it called the new ipad new ipad so we're getting some new Apple Watches, apparently. Two new models, a 38 and a 42. Anything special about these guys? A larger, a little bit larger screen for both, which has people wondering if it will keep, again, roughly the same form factor. But you can you can look at your Apple Watch right now if you have one and say, oh, yeah, there's actually a fair amount of bezel that they could carve away True. to maybe get that. So they have the Apple Watch with Face ID on it. <laughs> that would be entertaining <laughs> if we put a notch on it and people would be so angry yeah. at that one. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that notch. Yeah, and apparently there's some product called Air Power that we're working on. Hmm. This is one of those weird things that I have no idea. Like, I'm sure it's a difficult task because they're trying to do more uh, more of an elegant solution than just about everything on the market that, as far as I know, they, they could be kind of fiddly. It's like, oh no, my phone didn't charge. I just didn't have the phone aligned just quite right where they have the uh, like transmitter for that. And supposedly for this, you could just plop you know your stuff on there wherever, including the Apple Watch, which is sort of the weirdo one in this whole scheme. So I, I get it, but at the same time, it wasn't really like, oh no, like, man, if they don't announce air power this year, <laughs> then it's, man, it's game over, right? Like, the, the HomePod doomed. kind of feels like it's suffered from, oh, doomed if you don't release, you know, uh, an Amazon Echo competitor, or the Apple Watch is like, oh, doomed if you don't come out with an Android Wear competitor. Like, was anybody really, really begging Apple to, like, announce uh, wireless charging of their own? I mean, people wanted it for their, their iPhones, for sure, and it's much appreciated, but I don't know that they had to announce it so far in advance if it really, really wasn't ready. And I think clearly it wasn't. Right. I don't see any, any uh, HomePod 2 on here either. I'm kind of feeling like there will never be another HomePod. Really? Oh, it'll go down with <laughs> the old start Apple money. Like, it didn't get a developer story at WWDC. It got like the Vegas mention. The Vegas. You know, Apple TV got mentioned even though there was nothing new announced uh, for the keynote. And granted, there's been WWDC sessions. Um, really? Huh. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like, feels like a one and done product to me. But I, I, I could be wrong. I might very well, well be wrong. Done. Now that I've said it, I'm almost certainly wrong. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see next year. <laughs> oh, we'll crucify you later. 
Yeah, now they've committed it to yep, tape. Yep, we have the t- let's check the tapes. When did he say that? It was Wednesday, July 11th, folks. Just if you could play along at home. To round it out, it looks like AirPods would be new as well, some sort of upgrade. Not the um, not the noise cancellation and waterproof update that everybody's all excited nope. about, but apparently one with the improved wireless performance, hands-free Siri, as well as an AirPower-compatible wireless charging case. Nice. Oh, AirPower, yeah, AirPower-compatible. Uh, rub it in, Apple. All right. Well, I, I, I mean, maybe it will work with the, what do they call them, key chargers, Tommy? The Qi? Qi? Yeah, Qi, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have one of those. I use it for my iPhone X myself. Works fine. And it was like $14 on Amazon. All right. Um, just as a real-time follow-up, I did find an article here, one of many that talk about Apple reportedly not using. And this one qualifies it as Intel's Wi-Fi and Bluetooth chips in 2020, not necessarily processors. Let's take a quick look at that. And that's also in The Verge, for those of you driving at home. Oh, then that's, um, that's different than the processors. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think... I think That might have just been a some kind of a, a negotiation ploy because they're having conflicts with Qualcomm right now over that. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I, it, and again, it could be clickbaity kind of stuff that people, you know, who write the headlines, write them in such a way that, oh, no, Apple's not going to use Intel anymore. And then when you dig in deeper, it's actually a little little, uh, a little bit more specific than that. All right. Well, we'll leave that to, in the, to the link in the show notes for people to debate. All right. So the big, I guess the big story today is is that, um, well, I'll let Jaime tell, tell us. What's the big story? A feature came out from Apple.com as uh, reminding us that the App Store has just turned 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's quite a long time and, and no time whatsoever, it feels like. Yeah, really. So they've got, uh, how many how many different segments are in this article? There are uh, 11 different sections here talking about various pieces. Like the one I, I pulled out was uh, before 2008, the software industry was dominated by a few large companies. The App Store opened the door for any developer, from one-person shops to large studios, to come up with a great idea, build a high-quality app, and seamlessly deliver it to the growing number of customers around the world. And I'd say that's pretty true, right? It's not like the old, uh, and I'm sort of cribbing notes here from uh, Ben Thompson's wonderful uh, Exponent podcast, but it's it's not like the old days where you got your software at Best Buy and CompUSA, and you had to pay to put it on a box. You had to pay somebody some sort of deal so you could get it on their shelves. Um, even today, you still could create this uh, enormous successful app and you don't need more than just me myself and i it's true it's true we wouldn't we wouldn't have this podcast if it wasn't for the app store if you think about it that's true yeah mm-hmm. so it's interesting. I was reading something by um, James Thompson, maker of PCalc, saying that he was one of the f- 500 apps that were available on day one. I don't know if that was that small, but it was pretty insignificant. I, I, by the way, I, I did go back to my purchases. I don't know if you guys have done that at all, and I scrolled over to the very beginning to see what my first four or five purchases were. Um, my, I think the first one was, was an app called Flashlight. <laughs> yeah. uh, the second was To-Do List, and I think to-do li- it was To-Do List by um, Erica Sadoon. And um, what's the other one? Urban Spoon was one of the first ones. Yeah, no, for me, I was remember there was an app called iPint where you basically it would like you looked like your your um, phone was oh, full of yeah. beer, and as you tilted it, it would it would the, the beer or the beer would go down. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like the baby bottle thing that little girls used to play with back in the day, um, which I was always fascinated by those two actually when I was a kid. But um, the because I had three sisters, not that I had dolls, but um, unless you count GI Joe, not really a doll. He's an action figure. Um, but uh, um, what else did I have on there? Oh, Shazam. Which I still use to this day, which is surprising. That was my third app, right? So that's kind of cool. Do you remember what you guys, your guys' first apps were that you purchased? Uh, well, Urban Spoon was one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking on my phone right now because they're. I'm sure they're still on here somewhere. Yeah, if you if you go to purchases and and you click on your little face thing and go to purchases, purchases where in the App Store? Yeah, if you go to app if you're the App Store app on your phone and then uh, there's like a um, avatar image there of you. Yep. Right, which is context sensitive, as I discovered. So you want to make it? sure you're, at the very least you're on the app tab and then oh, okay. tap your wonderful little face then tap purchased and when i scroll all the way to the bottom from mine my top five or first five were uh three kingdoms td fate of way which is a like a strategy game i think or one of those tower defense games uh, my verizon because i've been on verizon for such a long time mm. crunchy roll so i was watching uh, anime on my iphone way back when <laughs> facebook no surprise and uh rounding out the top five is espn mm. which i've largely given up on because i usually look at uh, the score so oh, okay. My, my my fifth app, interest, interestingly enough, was AIM, um, AOL, Instant Messenger, Mine and VNC Lite, which I st- 
still use to this day. Mine are Graph Calc, Around Me, which is actually what I was thinking of when I was saying Urban Spoon. I was thinking of Around Me. That was the one that it, when it first came out, it had the the you know the the UI picker view, the thing that used to look like a slot machine thing that you could randomly have it find a, a restaurant or something like that. Oh, cool. Um, then, uh, well, what is the app now known as Yahoo Sports? But when it first came out, it was called something else because it was from a third party that they acquired. Uh, Easy Writer, which was an early keyboard app. Uh, Zynga Live Poker. Oh, and the number six was actually Urban Spoon. Number seven was Google. Hmm. Google Search? Yeah, just the plain old Google. Huh, interesting. Which I guess is Google Search. Yeah. yeah, it was interesting times back then. Yep. There weren't that many apps around. So when did you, what was your date of purchase there, Jaime? When did you first get your iPhone? It would have been whatever the iPhone 4S came out in 2011. The purchase date there, right? Oh, the the purchase date of the app, sorry. Uh, October 15th, 2011. Mine was October 14th, 2008. Yeah, I had a phone from pretty much day one or first couple of months, I guess. So my first purchase was July 14th, 2008. When did the store turn 10, exactly? Mm, The article came out, or the feature came out on July 5th. Uh, Oh, there we go. Actually, they, they reached it a little early because it says here, when Apple introduced the App Store on July 10th, 2008. Right, there were 500 apps, yeah. Well, that stat was correct. Yeah, and there's a lot here. I don't, I don't want people to miss out on uh, Section 8, the accessibility apps, which we've talked about multiple times on the show. I think that's been great. In fact, today or yesterday, Google finally came out with its updated uh, Gboard uh, keyboard for both Android and iOS that has uh, Morse code mode. Nice, yeah. Um, at Google I.O., they showed the lady who is confined to a wheelchair, very limited movement, and it was something she could do way faster to use Morse code than trying to uh, use alternative methods to use the keyboard. So that's really cool and neat. Definitely appreciate that sort of thing. Yeah, a friend of mine works in the medical industry, and he was saying that the, the communication boards are huge for, because, uh, you know, if you have a CP and you can't talk, um, the, they use boards to touch and make sentences and stuff, and apparently that's been really good for allowing people to have a voice, you know, in, in using an iPad app. Um, but also, uh, I was at the Maker Fair here that we talked. I talked about last week was this weekend. I went on Sunday, and um, there was a guy who had uh, used a you know Maker tools to to retrofit a Nintendo controller so that he could use his his arm movements to hit the and he had uh, Mario, which um, um, which just has like a jump button, I guess, um, and con- and con- you know unless you want to run you use the d-pad but so he was using his elbow and he was showing that you know his demonstration was that you know you need to have a certain amount of movement to exaggerate movements to to have this controller thing work which is kind of cool and then i was over talking to the people at the cnib which is our canadian national institute of the blind about braille and uh so i posted a picture on twitter i don't know if you guys saw it or not but uh of the technology that's available today in accessibility for braille this um a reader that will um has a single line of, of uh, like characters and it's like um, each one each character is a little module with uh, with uh, I think it's six pins and they they it, wherever your cursor is on the on your screen it'll actually create that line of text in the, on the reader um, these things are like 300 bucks Canadian and uh, the trouble is trying to get them into people's hands because of funding and all that kind of stuff but but I also got to play with a braille typewriter which is you know you've got like basically six keys in a space bar and they look pretty rustic but apparently they're they're like built like Russian tanks like they never never break down and so i printed a message there for so and i posted it to twitter and i haven't told anybody what the message says so i'd be interested to see if any fans can decipher what i what i posted there <laughs> on twitter did you guys see that i saw the machine that you said it was like state of the art it looked like it was from the 1980s it didn't really look like 2018 oh, i was like from the 1950s never mind yeah it looked like like it looked like something you'd find in the in an antique shop it was like you know pretty sturdy thing right and they had a couple of them and that's like that's you know that's it and a friend of mine Lord Suzuki was saying, saying that, that that yeah they're they're unbreakable so I guess it'd have to be but it's kind of like the thing that the, the stenographer court stenographers use you know where they have the special keys that they use for that but uh, and it and it's the, the tragedy is I guess well the the CNIB people were saying that that they would like it if kids would learn Braille they're not teaching kids Braille anymore because now we have all these voiceover technologies and stuff like that and I guess that does hold true but then you know if they don't learn Braille they can't read books so there's tons of books that are printed in Braille. 
right? So even our, our our money, our Canadian money, has Braille on it too. So if you if you look at the the note, the there's a Braille a character on each each note that uh, so you can read the denomination, right? So I think you know I, I've I've always been curious about um, building a display for you know using Braille, but like but now the technology is there, you can actually go if you're a maker and make a Braille display yourself. The, the bits are out there already. So they were showing like a couple of boxes that uh, teach people Braille by using Arduinos and Raspberry Pis and that kind of stuff, right? In the whole maker maker world. So that was a digression on accessibility. Someone needs to come up with this. Here's this idea: but come up with a smartphone for with Braille. Yeah, like a tactile <laughs> touch yeah, interface. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be some interesting manipulation. And I, and I don't understand why it, it couldn't be feasible. I mean, you've got similar-ish ideas um, for haptics or similar ideas for like the um, like the Kindle e-reader that you know, similar. You, you mentioned there's like all these like nodules that get rearranged in real time to yeah. create the different Braille um, characters. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, like an entire reader. Seems yeah. you, you take that sort of technology and an e-reader uh, screen that is, you know, just charged dots and they get charged a different way. And now it's supposedly a different page on, on this book. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like some enterprising and very intelligent set of people could, could come up with something like yeah. that. Yeah. If you look at the, the, the tweet here, it's um, from 11 hours ago, actually, there's, there's a, a picture. You can see the, the, the reader thing that's called or- Orbit Reader 20. So it's made by Orbit 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 Research. And you can see that each character is like an individual, um, I guess, like a circuity kind of thing. That, um, uh, and you can see the message that's printed up on the screen. But cool stuff. Anyway, that's our... So <laughs> back to the App Store turning 10. Anything else about... Yeah, I didn't really have much more. There's the article there in the show notes that people can take a look at if they missed sure. it. Okay, cool. Um, what else we got? Oh, another story from our Jaime. Yeah, more, more rumors, rumors, rumors. Uh, Apple is reportedly launching new iPhones in blue, orange, and gold really? colors. Oh, to yeah, go along with the red one. It's yeah. really... Yeah, the red one is kind of interesting because they always do the product red, yeah. and so it seems like that sort of misses out on the uniqueness. Um, but I, I'd say I'm all for it. I mean, I think, I think more colors would be good. Uh, looking at this article here, I'm not so sure that I like the orange or the gold that much as the way they've rendered it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I've been asking for the, the purple rain MacBook Pro for a while. I've <laughs> <and laughs> been denied, so it's the best we can do, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I guess it'd be it'd probably be more like candy apple colors, right? Because um, it'll have the glass back, so it'll look a little shinier than it does here. In the, I mean, like a lot of people, you know, walk around with their iPhone 10s naked. I have mine in a case, of course, right? But uh, they look pretty pretty cool in, in the sort of slate gray model. Is it slate gray we have or black or what do you call this color? I think it's space, space gray, gray yeah. but I'd have to look. Yep, cool stuff. Which colors do you guys go for if you're on your phones? Mine is space gray. Oh, no, mine is bl- it's black. Silver. Because remember there was black? the uh, there were the two colors of black. There was the glossy black and the regular black. For the iPhone 10? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, am I a year out of date on that one? Maybe. Yeah, I, I think you are at least. <laughs> <laughs> that was a seven, I think. Yeah, I think that was the previous model that had like <laughs> two years a, out of date. the jet Damn. black, I think. The fingerprinty one, but that like looks really good if you cleaned yeah. it up. Never mind. Until you pulled it. Yep. Never mind. Yeah, you're like the Emily Latella of More Than Just Code, eh? Never mind. No more violins on television. All right. Um, <laughs> that's a quick one, right, homie? <laughs> right. And then another post, another post, a quick post here I, I saw was an uh, interesting one about um, the top 20, or tw- somebody's picked a Games Radar Plus has picked the uh, best 25, 25 best games to make your commute 97% better, I guess, you know, unless you're driving, right, Mark? Yeah. Um, won't help my commute. Huh? Won't help my commute. No, it won't help your commute. Anyway, so just some interesting, uh, interesting apps here that we've, I think we've talked about before. We've seen before. Data Data Wing is number 24. I've seen that one before. Um, Alto Adventure, number 21, which is a great uh, great app. I think everybody I know has played at least played that once or twice. Um, Old Man's Journey, I think, didn't that win? And we talked about that. Didn't it win an ADA this year or last year, maybe? Apple Design Award? Maybe last year. I don't think it did this year. Okay. Her Story is on there, too. That was a pretty good one. Yeah, Her Story was a pick of one of ours, right? Um, so what else is here? One I want to try that I've never heard of before I saw this article is Mini Metro, mm-hmm. which is a puzzle game where you try to do your best to create functional transit systems based on those in real cities around the world. Right, right. Yeah, because I feel like there are definitely transit systems where I feel like, I think I could do way better than this. Sure. So if I load that one up, I'll, I'll find some of my favorite ones and, and see if I can. Solve the puzzle. So one of the, um, one of the uh, right in the middle of the list is Pokemon Go, of course, which consumed tons of people's time in the last couple of years. I'm probably still consuming time. Fallout Shelter is another one I've heard of before. Uh, threes, which I was surprised to see, is still on the list. You know, which uh, Animal Crossing. Oh yeah, Pocket Camp. I played that one. Monument Valley Two, of course. Um, and finally, on the last page, we have her story, which Mark already mentioned. 
Mini Metro. And number one is The Room. So my grandson, Foster, plays has played The Room. I think there's Room 2 and there's Room 3. And these are like puzzle boxes, sort of like Seventh Guest kind of um, games. I've never played Seventh Guest at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's sort of, you know, you go into this room and there's like no clue and you sort of have to figure, it's like it's puzzle rooms, trying to figure your way out or around or I'm not sure what the point is, but um, the kids love it. What can I say? So if you're looking for something to while away the hours on your commute, on your Facebook barge, you can do that. All right. So how many last one here you've got about passcodes? Yes. With an unfortunate update that we'll oh, get no. to in a little bit. So with iOS 11.4.1, Apple has released the, what do they call this? Um, what do they call well, this? The blocking passcode, blocks passcode cracking tools. Right. So USB restricted mode, I think is what is officially called as a feature. But the idea is that if your device has been locked for over an hour straight, iOS would no longer let USB accessories connect to the device. My understanding is they, they can still charge. So electrically they'll still work, but not as uh, data transfer mechanisms. This is uh, intended to be for, you know, user personal security. The article jumps right on top of the uh, cracking tools used by uh, various police units around the uh, around the globe. The unfortunate thing is the follow-up article that says uh, this passcode cracking defense can be bypassed using a USB accessory. So some uh, researchers at the cybersecurity firm Elkomsoft found a loophole where they, um, what did they, they just like kept an accessory connected to it. And uh, that apparently resets the timer, which you would not want it to do. You would want it to mm. be like a, an absolute like now or not go for it sort of thing. Um, so hopefully Apple will patch that, but uh, at least it's a good first step. Wait, so if you have a dev- if you have a USB accessory connected when it goes to sleep sort of thing or Let me let me read their their uh, thing here. It said, um, we performed several tests and can now confirm that USB restricted mode is maintained throughout reboots and persists software restores uh, via recovery mode. In other words, we have found no obvious way to break USB restricted mode once it is already engaged. What we discovered is that iOS will reset the USB restricted mode uh, countdown timer, even if one connects the iPhone to an untrusted USB accessory, one that has never been paired to the iPhone before. Well, in fact, the accessories do not require pairing at all. In other words, once the police officer seizes an iPhone, he or she would need to immediately connect that iPhone to a compatible USB accessory to prevent USB restricted mode lock after one hour. Importantly, this only helps that the iPhone has still not entered USB oh, restricted mode. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there is still that, that gap there, right? Um, well, yeah, because a device, when it connects to an un- trusted device or it pops up an alert saying do you want to trust this device right so i, I was actually trying to help a friend with a, with an iphone 6 where the screen had gone black and uh you know it, it had been such a long time that even though i charged it up I, we couldn't even you know in you know in, in some sort of accessibility mode even use the phone because it was asking us to trust that the mac i was connecting it to right so weirdness hmm. oh, i can even use apple's own lightning to usb3 camera connector for this purpose yeah, it's a it's a really weird miss or oversight or whatever it might be. Hmm. I'd assume they'll end up fixing that. Um, I mean, other than, than charging the device, I'm not sure what would be the big issue with just having it be an absolute timer. I'm not sure why plugging in a device, even though the device is still locked. I'm not sure why that would reset the timer. Yeah, just looking here, what uh, what OS are we at right now? I think it is 11.4.1, uh, but I could be mistaken. Maybe that was the beta. I no, might that's be the one that came out just yesterday. Oh, but I haven't updated to it yet. 11.4, I'm on. I see. <clears throat> Interesting. Well, I'm not planning on, you know, having a run-in with the police in the next couple of days, so I think I'm okay. But have. if you are planning on having a run-in with police in the next couple of days, you might want to upgrade. All right. So I guess we're at our picks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, my pick was, uh, I just uh, was watching a video by Ellen Shapiro, otherwise known as Designated Nerd. And she does these interesting talks um, about uh, things. And the latest latest one that she's got published here from uh, her latest talk is on, she called Stupid Enum Tricks uh, in Swift and Kotlin. And uh, she starts off to talk by, which I thought was kind of funny. She talks about uh, the, the pronunciation of enum or enum. Uh, she says that, you know, that some people think that enum came from enumeration. Um, and even though we do enumerate enums, she still says it's going to be called enum. And she offers to people if they're upset by the, her pronunciation of the word enum, they could leave the talk and otherwise they'll be twitching for 30 minutes as she gave her talk. And then she uh, said that, you know, it's sort of a similar way that you would pronounce this word. And the word she puts up on the screen, of course, is 
GIF mm-hmm. or GIF, if you like. You mean GIF, right? I mean GIF, yeah. GIF. So uh, anyway, so uh, interesting talk. <laughs> she goes through different um, ways that uh, enums are used in Kotlin uh, and Swift and compares the two different ways and um, goes through a whole series of, of uh, interesting uh, tidbits and uh, sort of factoids about enums and how they, you know, they play a role in the codable protocol and because they help with the, what do you call it, the um, coding keys and that kind of stuff. So uh, everything you want to know about enums but were afraid to ask is pretty much what the talk is about. So that was a kind of cool thing. Uh, my second one uh, just came out today. A friend of the show, Alex, um, also known as Leaky Wellington, uh, he's the owner of Ten Kettles, an iOS shop um, in Toronto. Uh, Alex Andrews. He um, that's not the Alex you met at WWDC, is it, Mark? What was the name again? Alex Andrews. You can I see his picture. So. On anyway, I, I didn't get a chance to follow up with him to find out if he was there. But he the interesting thing was again, you know, when when you know, Mark, you know how much I like my warnings and my Xcode, right? Yes. Um, but you if you're building something and you get a ton of, by the way, do clean up. My, my warnings. Mark is not always right about that. But anyway, so if you do have a lot of warnings and you've got a, 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 a build error, um, what he's uh, discovered or what he's pointing out here is that in the bottom of the the um, pane where the uh, the build time errors are displayed, and that's the left-hand side of your Xcode if you're playing along at home, there's a little exclamation icon at the bottom and you can click on that and it will um, it will jump right to that particular error. It'll, it'll hide all the warnings in other words and just show you the actual, you know, the red angry errors, right? And um, Chris Lissio also pointed out that you can also click on the time icon, which is like a little clock, and it'll only show the um, errors from the last build uh, target that you ran. So that's another helpful thing for bouncing around in a, a large code set. So um, I tweeted that out today, and we'll have the link in the show notes for this particular uh, tip. So um, again, yeah, just hit the little exc- ex- um, the bang or the exclamation mark in the uh, icon at the bottom of the issue navigator. Cool, eh? Yeah, I've never used the time one, but I've definitely used the uh, the uh, errors one. Mm-hmm. And pro tip, if you're wondering, like, where's the error you might have, uh, or where's the warning you're looking for because you're trying to do, like, I don't know, Swift conversion or something, uh, you might want to make sure you don't have that enabled. Oh, right. <laughs> it's a very subtle blue difference that you might not notice when you're tired. So. Right, right. But, but yeah, it's definitely handy to use those uh, filter lists to make Xcode's lists of things a whole lot more manageable. Sure, sure. You could also type the word deprecated in there, too, and just uh, filter out everything but the deprecated calls. Another handy upgrade tip. So that's cool. That's my picks. What do you got for us, honey? Mine is very simple. It is uh, the fact that Apple has released all the video transcripts for the 2018 WWDC sessions, which is great because you can very quickly, you know, find and search for what you're looking for. Like, oh, I know they'd said something new about notifications, but what was it that they were specifically mentioning around, you know, payload size or something? They've got the text there. You're not having to scrub around in the video to find it. And um, those are time code aware. So if you say, oh, what did they say about this you can just click on the word and it will take you to that section of oh, the video really cool. and any extra bonus their stuff still works in non-safari browsers like chrome which is great oh cool mm-hmm. so um but are they searchable like if you were searching or does the searching only work on the on the descriptions and the titles that are that are there you know, I didn't try it. Let's see. Filter by keywords. Oh, that's for keywords. Let's see here. Let's say drag and drop. Okay, so that brought up an accessible drag and drop section. Session. Let me go into that session. And then in the transcript, let's see um, let's see the word tap. Zero times. That is that is astounding. How about drag? Well, if you type accessibility in there as an example, right? So I'm just looking through the screen, scrolling through this. Oh, yeah, they all have accessibility in them. Uh, you would think that Apple, of all people, <laughs> I guess maybe you can't do this on the web, but I was going to say maybe they would use the natural language processing and and uh, along with um, Core ML to, to sort through this stuff. It, but I guess they can't do that on the web. It would be great if they had a, a global search on over all the transcripts. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. But this text is here, which means that Google will probably index it yeah, rather probably. soon if they have oh, a really? race. True. <laughs> you can always use Google to search, <laughs> search Apple for Apple site. videos with Google. Yeah. Thanks, Google. Thanks, Mr. Google. All right. Well, yeah, the transcripts are always handy to have, especially when uh, you're trying to... Uh, it would be super helpful for me when I'm doing the, the article, but of course, I have to wait till they come out. Um, you know, the top 20, top 10 videos on the Raven-like site. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, so I guess I'll just have to deal with that. Um, Mark, have you got a... I do have a pick. Pick for us? Yeah. Yeah. So, so after my pick from last, 
last week, uh, I'm sure everyone w- went and got their Arduinos out and started building some some embedded uh, hardware to to uh, make an accessory for for their app. Uh, and but then realized real quickly that to to code these things, you got to either use some crazy command line and uh, you know text editor combo, or maybe the Arduino IDE, which you know is serviceable but but not great. Uh, and and started you know wishing that you had a, a real IDE like you know like Xcode for example to to do this coding. Well, now you can. Yay! There's something called Embed Xcode, which is a pretty nice package uh, put together by a guy named uh, I gotta find his name here. Uh, where is his name? Okay, I don't know if I'll pronounce this right, but it looks like it's Ray Velo. It's R E I is his first name V I L O, and it looks like he's been working on it for a long time. I mean, the copyright is you know 2010 or 2018, so it's been around a while. Basically, what it is is uh, just a, a big a big library that uh, links uh, Xcode with the say the Arduino IDE tools uh, and lets you do all your development in Xcode and cool. it works with an enormous number of different uh, boards and IDEs it works with with you know many flavors of Arduino it works with Adafruit uh, it works with, with something called Energia which I, I actually am not sure what that is but uh, it also works with um, the Raspberry Pi and and just I mean every every board that I've every, every kind of board that I've heard of this works with so it's pretty impressive mm-hmm. and it just takes a lot of the pain out of out of doing doing this development so does it do I, code hinting as well and stuff like that or it does in Xcode wow yep. cool yep. So yeah Xcode is actually one of my favorite editors I wish you know there was more ways I guess there are, there's ways to do that right to import other languages in yeah I think so yeah yeah you know we we do complain about uh, about Xcode a lot but it's you know it's kind of like you know fighting with your family members right you know mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. complaining about their foibles but they're still your family right and and Xcode is is actually a pretty damn good development system yeah yeah try Android Studio for a week you'll be fine yeah exactly exactly so yeah nice. that's my pick that's a good one Mark yep. so it's funny I was talking to uh, a gentleman at the Maker Fair again and um, Maker Festival it was called actually at our Toronto Reference Library and it's every year around this time um, I was telling him about uh, the the pick you had last week because we were t- he was talking mm-hmm. about he was demonstrating how he um, I think I had another tweet on that one. let me see if I can find his name here um, but he had he was showing how to use like a, um, a small board to oh here it is here Maker Maker Knight is the name of the gentleman Maker underscore Knight um, and he uses a, a small little uh, like a mini Arduino that has a built-in Wi-Fi which is kind of cool because yep. I don't know if you've played with Arduinos some of them don't have Wi-Fi you have to add a board to them I think what do they call those um, uh, they call them uh, shields I think shields yeah yeah so you have to add a shield to a standard Arduino but this one this one already has a Wi-Fi built onto the board yep um, I took a picture of it and posted it up on, on Twitter but and you know Fishies has at least said that he's track of his he's wrote this little uh, this program to keep track of his Instagram followers and so he gets a red light or a green light if you gain or lose a follower mm-hmm. but uh, it was just an interesting little example of the kind of thing you can do and I was telling him about your tool uh, that you put you tweeted about a lot or sorry you mentioned last week on the show yep. Yep. which was Blink called Blink yes and uh, and Blink is sort of a can you give us a rundown on that mark again yeah okay. so it's it's a, an app that has a bunch of libraries that you embed into your Arduino code uh, and uh, it will basically it's it has a drag and drop interface inside the app where you can build an interface and it behind the scenes communicates with your Arduino program and anything the Arduino does it can report back so say you want to say you right. have like your Arduino you know the, the, the simplest program is you have a blinking LED let's say well you can have a virtual LED in this app that you can have blink along with your physical one or you can put you know output from your you know text output from your program or whatever you want to do it just gets echoed onto your onto your app hmm. so it's like a virtual console for your for your Arduino cool some of other other people that we saw at the show which um there's a company called CNC which is spelt like science like S-I-E-N-S-C um that uh, and I'll put a link in the show notes for them, but they have a desktop CNC machine that they'll uh, mm-hmm. you can buy for a couple hundred bucks, and um, it's cool. It's got you, you know you can bring your own little router or or, or and they had I put some posted some pictures of their uh, carvings that they've done. They carved in wood. Um, they had some ebony earrings that they'd carved with this thing. They did some artwork. It, it'll it'll carve aluminum, you know, any all kinds of woods. Uh, it'll even do steel if you want. Uh, but yeah, CNC Labs is the name of the thing, and I'll post a link to the show notes for them as well but yeah it was a 
really interesting tool. We're looking at, you know, seriously getting one of those things. They're not very expensive, mm-hmm. like under 500 bucks, if I'm not mistaken. So, cool. It's amazing how far these things have come. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I remember when I was... I didn't know there were so many either. Um, I'd heard of like Adafruit and Arduino and Raspberry Pi and a few others. I didn't realize there was like punch through mm-hmm. friends and <laughs> other things. Well, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of them have been enabled by just the, the cheapness of sophisticated silicon out there. Like this ESP8266 or or the follow-up to ESP32, uh it's you know it's it's a uh, it's similar to the Arduino, but it's a different one. Uh right. and it's kind of I think it's kind of uh I don't know if it's completely taken over, but it's it's taken up a lot of the share of, of you know the maker community from Arduino actually, uh, because mm-hmm. it does have an integrated Wi-Fi and, and integrated Bluetooth on there as well as a microcontroller. So but but for five dollars, you know, you can buy this microcontroller. You basically it's it's a computer on a chip that you buy for five bucks uh, and you can connect it to to free tools and you know build a thing. Whereas in the old days you had to buy you know all sorts of parts and put it in a box and solder things together and then write your make your own circuit board yeah code from scratch. You know yeah they've just made it real easy and like I said it costs like five bucks. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah cool stuff. Yeah. All right. Well I guess that's it for another week. So hey uh, hi man if people want to find you on the interwebs where do they look. I'm on Twitter as at Dev right. with the hair. Sorry I didn't call you more first Mark. Uh, but if people want to get a hold of you on the interwebs. Mark R at smapsoft.com. All right. And I am Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. And that's the best way to get a hold of me. And so until next week, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. You've just experienced the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at MTJC underscore podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. did say my name first in the, at the beginning. I know, I know. <laughs> I got a little lost of joy when you did that. Well, you know what? Greg did too. I don't know if you noticed that last Yeah, week. I know. Well, <laughs> he, he did it sort of ironically, I think. But he made a point of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he did, he was, uh, he was, uh, yeah, trying to outdo the host yeah. of the regular show. I was thinking, so we are we are watching uh, Handmaid's Tale uh, season one because we we don't have Hulu, so we're we're renting or well, not renting. We are borrowing the DVDs from the local library, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it, Handmaid's Tale is exactly what came to yeah. mind. Just to like that that's that's what you do, right? You you seize the means of production anytime you have a, a coup. Uh, so I guess you haven't noticed me saying under his eye and stuff like that on the show for the last six months or so. It didn't mean anything <laughs> to me, but, and, and now it does. <laughs> yeah. What's the other one they say? Um, oh, I've never seen the show, but I read the book. I don't remember that from the book, but yeah, I don't know if it's in the book. Blessed, blessed be the fruit. Blessed be the fruit. Yeah. May the Lord open. Yeah. yeah the fruit open, I kind yeah. of suspect that that the show is a little bit more uh, topical to current. Yeah, it's up to date. Yeah, for sure. And the book sure. was. Yeah. Yeah, the book was a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I mean, the book was great, but it it wasn't so well. I, like I said, I haven't seen the show, but but it it wasn't like so very obviously based on projections of today. I guess is a way to put it. Yeah, it's much better than the movie that they came out with in back in the '90s, right? So that was a good movie, though. Yeah, the show's really good. And the second season, they I think they're consulting with Margaret Atwood, but they're kind of going off like there's there's no more book to write. Like right. the the end of the I think the end of the um, first season is pretty much like the, how the book ends. I haven't read the book myself, but uh, it's very similar to what's in the movie. Um, but I know that in this, they're sort of extending the storylines and playing around with the whole concept of Gilead and mm-hmm. you know the people 
people who escaped to Canada and all that kind of stuff, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's, it's actually pretty good. I've been watching it every Sunday for the last little while. So, but you're right. It's, it, it's so timely. It's not funny, right? Well, I think it's no coincidence that they decided to make the TV show right now. No, I think that, I think that they, I think yeah, they were making been out it for 40 years, right? No, 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 I, I don't mean that. I mean, but I think they, they were making the, I mean, it's, it's just lovely considering, you know, what's, what's been going on. But, you know, I think that they, I think the production was in, in play long, long before that, or maybe they were hedging their bets, something like that, or, know. you know, we used to joke about when Sarah Palin would take over and, you know. Yeah, those days were so innocent, huh? Yeah, that was like uh, a year ago or more. <laughs> no, that was five years ago. 2012, six years ago. True, true. Yeah. Oh, you mean those days when? Yeah. No, I meant I could. You know. I mean, that's why I keep saying that I keep all my try to keep as much of my data in Canada as I can, right? So yeah, for that reason. I guess the other thing we got going on is uh, World Cup, oh, yeah. uh, Croatia versus France. So England got uh, England lost today, huh? Two to one in, in extra time. But is that surprising though? Like, England, is, England, is England really a powerhouse? They're good enough that you expect them to get out of the group stage and a little bit into the tournament, but they are normally uh like this is evidence that we're on the dark timeline they're not normally this good and it's well known that they are terrible at uh, going into penalty kicks and they won a game in penalty kicks hmm. so it's uh, it's definitely a different year um germany the defending champion didn't make it out of its group uh, all sorts of other things occurred they're very weird yeah we kind of are in the upside down right now huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> upside down yeah yeah only soccer yeah do they even play soccer in canada it's kind of hard with all the snow on the ground, right? Yeah. And the lacrosse tricks, you have to put them down to yeah. play soccer. So the, did you see yeah, the thing on... skates. That's true. Yeah. Did you see the thing on uh, 60 Minutes about the American kid in, in um, Germany, I think it is? He's like... They think he's like the best soccer player in a long while. Definitely best oh, American. I did see... Yeah. It, it was on, but I wasn't really paying attention. So I did see bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Yeah. His young kid is like... It's um, like 17 or something like that. Yeah. 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 I, and it's, it's funny when you watch the videos of him is very similar to what the way the videos were of Gretzky like the other you know teams would be saying oh can your son play on our team and that kind of stuff and he would show up and he'd be like you know shorter than all the other kids and they would like oh look somebody brought their little brother and then he'd get the ball and have some amazing goal and they're like oh wait what <laughs> yeah but and they thought that he'd be the the, um, the linchpin for the American team but uh, they didn't qualify for the World Cup I guess are you talking about Christian Pulisic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I was hoping maybe there was like an additional person. Oh. Sounds like that's who you're talking about. Yeah, he's like 17-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so he missed this World Cup, but hey, he'll only be 21 by the time the next one so comes wait, up. So wait, so is there an age limit to how long, how young he can be for the World Cup? I actually don't know. They do have uh, like a under 20 right, or something right. World yeah. Cup um, thing, competition. But I don't know if there's like an actual minimum. Like, Yeah, apparently he's playing you know, pro here in... Um, Playing pro in in uh, Germany, yeah, German club Borussia Dortmund, yeah, and he's like a household name, which is amazing in Germany. Yep, it's all good. Yeah, I remember watching him play a few times in some of the qualifying events, and he he seems really good. It, it seems more real with him than with um, Freddie Adu from I don't know what ten years ago, yeah. probably. So I'm going to go see uh, America's Best Band tomorrow. America's Best Band? Yeah, that's a, that's what I heard they were called. Foo Fighters. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, my time machine's decided to stop working after um, coming back home from down east or up east, as you guys like to point out. It just refuses to. Yeah, it's been saying like to do to do backups or to let you go back in time and get stuff. No, it hasn't done any backups in a while, and it's saying to me that. Um, the backups in use and all that kind of stuff, right? So it's on my server. So I even rebooted the server and it's still, still being stupid. So I haven't had a backup since June. It's stuck on preparing backup. And I tell you, this technology. Well, that can take a long time if you, have, if you haven't done a backup in a long time. No, I know. But I mean, like, you know, it's not, not through any fault of my own, but you no, know, just, it's like the time machine gets, you know, verklempt in terms of how it thinks uh, doing a time machine is, is a, like still a pretty bad backup. I've got, I have a, I run Crash Plan as well, right? Which runs like a clock. Runs like a German train compared to a time machine, which has always been spotty. Mm. Yep. All right. Well, I guess that's it. I guess we're turning to pumpkins and stuff. All right. All right, folks. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right. All right talk bye. to you later. Bye.